You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on the Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I'm the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book. It's time that you have a way to create flavor-packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. A common misconception that I hear when people think about the term anti-diet is that anti-diet is equivalent to anti-health. What's interesting is that actually could not be further from the truth. Anti-diet is actually 100% pro-health and really pro all facets of your health. Yes, your physical health, but also your emotional health, your mental health, spiritual health, any pillars of your health that are important to you. At Free Method Nutrition, when we talk about whole body health, we like to talk about the key pillars of health that allow us to really promote our overall health. And each of these pillars that I'm going to talk about will look very, very different for each person, depending where you are in your food freedom journey, your intuitive eating journey, eating disorder, recovery journey, or just wherever you may be in your health journey in general. So it doesn't mean there's a right or a wrong way to prioritize each pillar. I guess there's kind of a wrong way if we're like obsessing and, and, you know, leaning towards restriction and that sort of thing. But each pillar will look different depending where you are in your journey. So some of the key pillars that we like to talk about when we're talking with clients at our practice to help prioritize your health are sleep, stress, and more so managing stress, nutrition, and movement. Now, this obviously isn't an all-inclusive list. And really what we often do with clients is we really dig into what pillars are unique to them and where they are in their journey, what their values are. So this list is a more just generalized four pillars to really prioritize your health. What can be good is digging a little bit deeper and seeing, okay, what specific pillars are important to me? Like maybe yes, these four, and then maybe there's, you know, work or school or, or some other pillars that are also important. So let's take a minute and talk through each of these pillars and what it looks like to really prioritize 
those pillars and support your health instead of, you know, letting these pillars turn into obsession and restriction. So sleep. There's no denying that sleep is important. We've all probably had those mornings where we wake up and we didn't have a great night of sleep and we see how it impacts the rest of our day and our week and it can take forever to catch up. And maybe part of that's just as you get older. I remember being young, like as in, you know, in middle school, it was cool to not sleep and to stay up all night. And somehow we just bounce back. <laughs> but now we don't bounce back like that anymore. Um, so what I think can be helpful when it comes to sleep is really tapping into a solid nighttime routine as well as a solid morning routine. And I like to think of a nighttime and a morning routine as bookends for your sleep because they are what you do before you get in the bed and then what you do when you first get out of bed. I think it's really, really easy, especially in the morning to just jump out of bed and immediately start your work day, scroll through Instagram, like just kind of get into the hustle and bustle of the day without doing something to kind of ease in, help you feel grounded before the day starts. And then Similar with the nighttime routine, I think it's easy either to work super late, to be on your phone, be on social media, maybe you're just watching TV, and not having some sort of structured like wind down routine at the end of the night to ease in to sleep. So let's look at both of these. So nighttime routine, and like I've mentioned, these can look so different for different people. So I think what's important for you is to reflect on what do I want my nighttime and my morning routine to look like. And within that thinking, you know, how much time do I have? How much time do I want to give myself? You know, do I I think I can I find it for most people sometimes it can be helpful to have like okay, this is my nighttime routine, my morning routine if I'm like in a bind and I don't have a ton of time, like maybe it's like a five, 10 minute quick thing. And then this is my routine. If I have some extra time and maybe it's 30 minutes, an hour to ease into the day or to ease into going to sleep. So some examples starting with nighttime routine could look like reading or journaling, maybe taking a bath and maybe you're reading or journaling while you're taking a bath. Maybe it's just having a solid skincare routine um, maybe it is doing some stretches or some sort of like slow flow yoga, um, something along those lines that can kind of help you wind down from the day and don't have anything to do with your phone screens, TV, because it really can be beneficial to try and shut down those at least an hour before you go to bed. Now, I know that's easier said than done. And I, by no means <laughs> saying that am perfect of every night I am not on my phone or not on, you know, watching TV for an hour before bed. But I think it can be a good thing to try and prioritize. So nighttime routine, and then same thing with the morning and, and some examples of morning routine could look similar. It could be reading, it could be journaling, it could be getting in some sort of movement, walking your dog, taking a shower, Anything that helps you kind of feel grounded and started out for the day, what we don't want to do, what we want to avoid both at night and in the morning is going straight to Instagram, email, your phone, text, all of that, because 
you know, we want to create this sense of rest and, you know, at the end of the day, and then even rest as you start a new day. So having these morning and nighttime routines can be super helpful for that. The second pillar is stress and managing your stress. And what you'll also see is with all these different pillars, the way we also talk about them in our practice a lot is thinking of it as like a wheel where they're all connected together, which means they can definitely impact each other. As your stress improves, you probably find your sleep improves. And then you also probably find the opposite to be true. As your stress gets worse, your sleep probably gets worse too. So with stress. So obviously one of the big things is we want to try and manage stressors in our life. Now, how do we do that? Well, unfortunately there's no like perfect answer because we all have a bunch of different stressors in our life. There's a lot going on. And I think a helpful place to start can be just identifying, okay, what are the main stressors in my life right now? What are the things that keep me up at night? What are the things that fill my thoughts? What are my main stressors? And then second, what practices do I have in place to help me manage those stressors? And if you come up empty-handed, feeling like you have nothing in place to manage those stressors, then asking yourself, what could help me manage those stressors? Some examples may be, you know, having a to-do list that helps you keep your thoughts organized, um, creating boundaries around when you're on your email, the time you check your email, creating boundaries around social media, maybe going on a short walk at lunch to just kind of clear your head, sitting outside, getting fresh air. So thinking about for you, what are things that you enjoy, unique to you, that help you manage your stress? I think our mindset is super important when it comes to our stress levels of really looking at, okay, do I have things in place that can help me even just manage my thoughts? Like, do I create space to, whether it's talking out with friends, journaling, really spending time, like getting thoughts out of my head and putting them onto paper, putting them into words, because I think it can be impactful for our mental health, getting thoughts out of our head. And, and why that is, is, you know, if we keep these thoughts and these stressors just in our head, it's easy for them to just run rampant. And we have these negative thought spirals and they just continue to spiral down and down and down versus getting them out of our head, putting them on paper, talking about it with a friend or a trusted person in your life. It's not to say that that's just going to fix every stressor that you have, but it can help bring some clarity to your thoughts and can help give you some peace of mind. The third pillar, nutrition. So with this, what we don't need and what we don't mean is restricting, dieting, cutting out foods, following these different rules, because that is going to lead to increased stress. If you're listening to this and you've ever been on a diet, ever followed some sort of food plan, you can probably resonate with that of like, okay, when I was on that diet, I was so stressed and maybe you also weren't sleeping well and all these other things. So with nutrition, we really want to take an audit of just our daily and our weekly intake and see, okay, am I allowing space for foods that I enjoy? Am I allowing all foods to fit in my life? 
yes, am I nourishing my body? Am I incorporating in fruits and vegetables and, you know, fats and proteins and all of these different elements? But am I also making sure I enjoy the foods that I'm eating? When I go grocery shopping, am I buying things that sound good? Am I not restricting? And basically all of that goes back to, am I dieting or am I not dieting? And if you find with this, you know, this is often the pillar where we see a lot in our practice, people identify like, okay, I need some help with this pillar. So I need to get support. I need to bring a dietitian into my journey. And so in, in hearing this and talking through these different pillars, you may realize the same thing of, okay, this nutrition pillar, I need some help on, but I need to bring in support and accountability to do so because you know, maybe you're confused, maybe you're overwhelmed. There's so much noise out there when it comes to diets. And so really getting clear on what prioritizing this pillar of health for you looks like can be so, so important. What I also like to include under this nutrition pillar is hydration. Am I drinking enough water? Am I nourishing myself? Um, because it's easy, you know, when we're busy, when we're stressed, when we have stuff going on to kind of push water to the wayside or not prioritize it. So making sure you're drinking adequate water. And then lastly, movement. So I did a podcast episode recently on the difference between movement as punishment and movement as nourishment. And if you haven't listened to that already, I highly, highly recommend listening to that when you finish this episode or next time you log on to listen to a podcast. And really in that, what, what I talked through is how can we make sure that movement for you is coming more from a place of nourishment versus punishment? Because again, like I've mentioned with all of these pillars being so interconnected, if movement for you is rooted in punishment, then you may find your nutrition pillar is probably not being met as well because you're probably restricting or maybe doing other things there your stress levels are probably higher. All these other facets of your health are not being prioritized versus when you're moving out of a way to nourish and care for your body, you'll find hopefully your stress levels are improved. You're feeling better. Your energy is higher. You're nourishing your body well, and just your mood overall is boosted. And so again, this is where it can be so individual is seeing Okay, what does, if I'm operating out of movement is nourishment, what does my movement routine look like? Am I going on walks? Am I going to gym classes? Am I weight training? What type of movement are you doing? And what does that routine look like for you? What I also want to make sure and note here is depending where you are in your journey, especially if you are navigating eating disorder recovery, movement may not be an option for you right now. It might be recommended from your providers that movement not be a part of your life right now. And that's okay. You know, that is a very, very normal part of eating disorder recovery to, you know, have to kind of put a pause on movement. And I know that can be so hard. And one of the reasons, you know, I know that it can be hard is because movement is a good thing. It's it's great. It's enjoyable. It's a way you can care for yourself. It benefits your health, all of that. But at the same time, 
if it's coming from the wrong place, the wrong motivation, the wrong intentions, then it really isn't all that healthy. And especially if it's coming from a place of over-exercising or just exercising and not fueling our body adequately, then it really isn't healthy. We're not reaping those benefits of health. So I want to make sure and mention that in case you're listening and you're navigating recovery and you know you hear me talking about movement as a pillar of health, but then you're like, well, my dietitian or my therapist, my doctor is telling me not to exercise. I would say that I'm on the same page. Like, let's do what your providers tell you and know that, you know, the hope would be at some point in your journey. And as you move closer to recovery, movement, something you'll be able to add back in through that lens of nourishment versus punishment. So what I encourage you to do is to really think through these four pillars and jot down some notes of what it can look like for you to prioritize each of those pillars in your life. And then take it a step further and see, are there other pillars that are important to me that I want to make sure I'm prioritizing and asking yourself, okay, what are the things I need to keep doing? What habits are helping me promote these different pillars? And what are things in my life that I maybe need to change or stop doing that are inhibiting me from prioritizing these pillars? So if this resonated with you, I would love if you took a minute to rate and review the show, let me know your thoughts specifically on this episode, but really on this podcast in general. And as always, feel free to take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us. Um, You can tag me at dylanmurphy.rd. You can tag our practice at Free Method Nutrition. We love, love, love seeing when y'all are listening, where you're listening, what your takeaways are. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode.